Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon show. Andy, what did we like today? Well, we had a visit in the studio from Andy from Millennium Properties. It was a lot more interesting than it sounds. Yeah, it was. He works with all the Wolves players and makes sure they feel at home. He was a very interesting man. Uh, also, we spoke to a bit of a dance legend and pioneer. She's going to be playing at Ali Pali. She was Dita great. Hedman. Yeah, she was great, Dieter. We had a tribute to Pele with uh, Tim Vickery. Yeah, that was good. Uh, clips his, of the midweek. We heard his new record. Keep the microphone still, man. Our producer, he's lost the plot. And uh, what else? Amazing. Clips of the midweek and our bits. That's it. Okay, here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And uh, yes, a little bit better from Chelsea defensively. I mean, you obviously stuck with your game last night, understandably. Yeah, and and, uh, watched it all the way through. Severe good side. You know, we saw that in the Europa League, and they Mm. keep the ball so well. And you know, I think Chelsea did well in the end. You know, they had chances too. But, uh, yeah, that was Lampard's first ever nil-nil for Chelsea wow. as, as a manager. That's incredible, isn't it? So you think you look back on it as a good result in within the com- Could know, be. confines You'll of the group? Could be. You'll wait and see. Both, both, lot, both matches were drawn, so, yeah, so yeah. it's fine, yeah. I, I did watch the goal show last night, so I, I should maybe I should have just... Because the Manchester United game seemed to be the standout, but I thought, you know, Lazio Dortmund was good. I was having a look at Wren for yeah. you as well. Wren looked quite... They don't look a bad yeah. side. They'll no, give no. you a good game over there. They've got some quality, so... So uh, Krasnodar, you should be fine with, but um, yeah, it we'll was uh, it was a good. Doesn't night's matter because they're not going to win it. I, I mean, Chelsea are not right; they're still not right. I mean, it's like they've started again this season. <laughs> He's basically got five new players who all played last night. They're playing a different system with different players. You know, there's a. I, I don't quite. He did this last year. He sort of ignored Giroud completely until he couldn't ignore him anymore because he had to use him. And when he did use him. He looked good. Chelsea looked good. I, I still think that there's a role for him there, you know. And I'm not sure Werner up front on his own is right. But there you go. That's that's uh, another. Yeah. Another well, well done, Manchester United, because that, oh, yeah, that, that was some performance. But how mad is football? Yeah, two games ago, they've lost six-one. Solskjaer's got to go. Poch is coming. He's the worst manager in history. Two good wins. Suddenly, he's the man. Yeah. How can you d- even doubt him? <laughs> it's probably neither, really, is it? You watching, know? watching. You know, can you really be regarded as a true world great if you switch off so spectacularly? I'm talking about Neymar. Looking at Neymar last oh, night, looked like he right. didn't fancy it for most of the game. He was really off. He had a couple of runs, but he looked like just he wasn't there. He's nowhere know? in. He's not in the Messi Ronaldo bracket. He is. Yeah. He's, he's he's somewhere he's very good but he's not as good as them so there you yeah, go there was a couple of fantastic saves from De Gea last night one from Mbappe that uh, that kept him in at a key time but they were the better team United they they yeah. really were well organised and deserved it our keeper looks good he looks a lot he's a lot more solid Kepa reminds me of a fielder in cricket you know he doesn't want the ball to come to him like Harry when we're Harry the fish when we're playing for the bump yeah. <laughs> yeah don't let it come near me yeah and that's basically what that's Kepa that's difficult as a goalkeeper though isn't yeah, it yeah but really? compared to him he's solid He's big, he's calm. Yeah. You can tell the difference. I mean, it's that thing of some goalies are calm and some are like Pickford, like frantic, and or some are just feeble, like Kepa, really, like frightened. So that's no good at all. Anyway, um, see that boxer Nicola Adams. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
in, now in Strictly has had to work on her potty mouth. Uh, oh, really? Apparently, uh, her dance partner, Katia Jones, is so concerned that the boxer might curse live on the TV, she's banned her from swearing and has told Ace Nicola uh, to say Jeffrey in place of naughty words. Oh, for Jeffrey's sake, why don't you Jeff off? <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to work, is it? That's not going to work. <laughs> Jeff off is Eve. That's, that's quite good, that. <laughs> Jeff off is you, not Maybe bad. you found the English equivalent of, of Father Jack. Maybe that's, Maybe that'll work. Yeah, okay. could do, yeah. Jeff off. And boffins, yeah. I don't know if you saw it, the boffins have measured the shortest unit of time ever. And they won't, it's a number of noughts, naught point, naught, 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 you know, you can imagine point one sort of a second. It's called a zeptosecond. <laughs> it represents one trillionth of a billionth of a second. So we've now, we're now actually able to me- measure modern people's attention spans. Well, that's, that's very good, Andy. I've got a new app. It's called it's called Zeptode Second, and it's like it's like um, what's it called TikTok, but you upload those one millionth of a second. That's it. That's yeah, the film. I, I don't know if I've got time to watch watch all of that. Really, Andy. <laughs> Actually, too I, much going honestly, on. Honestly, I, I missed a goal the other night. Was it Monday night? Yeah, Wolves goal. Because I've got TikTok on my phone. It's so addictive, and because you can't get I bored, with think it, you were Mr. TikTok. Really, you can't get bored what do you with like, it. What do you like about because TikTok, it's, Andy? It's, it's because some of it's funny. Oh yeah. And some of it you, you look at and go, "This is rubbish," and some of it you look at it and think. What a lot of effort for nothing. And somebody you look at people like Ant and Deck and you think, why are you doing it? You've got your own TV shows. You don't need to do this. Yeah. But they're on there all the time. So Speaking uh, to a different audience. The kids yeah, aren't watching telly. Exactly, and you can't stop. Unless it's a Zeppo second long. <laughs> if they can make Emmerdale, there's a Ze- or <laughs> the Kardashians, a Zep- Zepto, Zepto second. There's <laughs> uh, a Harpo second, a Groucho second, and a Zeppo. Oh, yeah, it's not as quite as and good. And a Chico second, that's right. And Amir Khan, we had this thing a few weeks ago where you, you show people his new watch. She's yep. talking a hundred grand watch and people were saying it's not a great idea in these times. So yesterday he put up a video panning to his uh, Lamborghini Aventador or whatever it's called oh, yeah. and his Rolls Royce Phantom. You know, you think, oh, don't do that. Have some self-awareness. Really. Oh, you're, you're, we get the idea. You're sucking up, Andy. You're happy to look at all of his new purchases. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Don't you know No, it's not Pele. Thankfully, uh, Andy has uh, not danced to that. I was, I suddenly, I, I could, I, I slightly feared a pelvic thrust at any time moment. But uh, anyway, it didn't happen. I'm too old for dad dancing. <laughs> You're a very good dad dancer, though. Oh, tremendous! That is the walk on music for our next guest. She's a pioneer of uh, never mind women's darts. Darts generally, really, it's a fantastic story. Mm. Uh, she'll now have the opportunity to play at Ali Pally in the PDC. World Championship just before Christmas, and uh, Dita Hedman joins us. Dita, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Where did you, you? Where did you find that tune, Dita? What? How did that become your walk-on music? Well, my last walk-on music, which was on Feeling Hot, 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 mm-hmm. Rob Cross sold. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, I had to get another one. I did tell him if he's going to take, he needs to learn how to dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I we were just travelling in the car, and we heard the pump it up, mm. and I just said to Paul, "I love that under my walk on," and that's how it comes about. But I think I will have to change that one again. Oh right! Because Glenn Durant nicked it. Ooh. Has he really? Yeah, more yeah. of uh, Glenn at the end of this conversation. Yeah, that's right. Controversial he's, he's uh, in the news thing with today. MVG. But uh, congratulations, because you, you, you. you've made it. A world Championship debut. I know you've played in other World Championships, but this is the PDC, isn't it? And uh, yeah. it's great. I mean, you must be delighted. I'm over the moon, to be honest with you. It still ain't sunk in yet. <laughs> It really hasn't, but ayo. The, it's always such a great atmosphere at, at, at Ali Pali, and it looks as if it's almost certain, really, because if we ever do have a crowd, it's going to be a very small one. So it's a shame, isn't it, the first time you're there, it's not going to be what we expect of the World Championship. the crowd make that. Oh, yeah, it's such a great event. <coughs> Excuse me. And to be honest with you, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there and that's it. Yeah, of course. And uh, you beat Fallon Sharrock, who, of course, uh, played last year. And, and uh, Yes, uh, we had a ding-dong, we really did. And, yeah. and you're all, and Lisa Ashton, you're all blazing a trail, aren't you? So um, it, it's going in the right way. I mean, there's no reason, is there, why a, a woman darts player shouldn't eventually be able to win the PDC? 
<laughs> that's another story that I'm not going to get into with you. Well, no, there isn't. Is there? I mean, physically, there's no reason, is there? Uh, well, we could go on about this until it's blue in the face, but there is so many different things with a woman compared to a man. Okay. And I mean, we've had conversation on about it. Yeah, you may have a moment where we can focus. One of the things I do find, men can focus so much better than a woman. Really? Yeah. And one of the things is, if you're, are you married, girlfriend, whatever? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're both, you yeah, get we're both that married, one yeah. time of the month where you can't get anywhere near her. Mm. So I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think we're all with you on that one. We know, we know, we know what you mean, Dee. Uh, you've got an amazing story, really. You, mm. you came to the UK from Jamaica when you were 14 to join your parents. I mean, what, what got you into darts? How did you start playing? Well, um, I'm one of seven, mm. and uh, my elder, one of my, two of my elder brother was here before I arrived in England. And they were already playing darts because actually one of my brother, Al Edmund, actually played in the PDC back in 2003. Wow. Yeah. So everybody, it's a, a, yeah. He was British Open champion, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was British Open champion before I was. It's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, he gave me some ribbing for that. I I mean, do do they play darts in the Caribbean in any sort of serious form? Well, yes, Jamaica's Mm. actually got a... World team. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, yeah, because we obviously we have the World Cup that we have, and all the Caribbean countries that there is possible normally have a team in. Hmm. You see, such a people don't see that side of it because in Europe you see the PDC and the BDO, but yeah, you have the World Cup of the Arts, hmm. not the PDC side, but the BDO. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, they do have teams in the Caribbean, in Africa, and places like that. Yes, you you fell out of love with the game for a while, didn't you, DJ? And you you kind of stepped away from the game. So, what what brought you back? And how long ago was that that you decided to take a bit of a break? Oh, back in nineteen ninety seven. Right, I was chosen to represent England in the World Cup in Australia, and. Coming through to then, I just really had enough of it, all this stuff going on, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, you know what, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I can't put up with backbiting, all this stuff going on. So really, and not just that, also my work. It was a time where I was losing my job as well. So something had to give. Yeah. So I just decided um, that will have to go. Mm. And I just, yeah. And I wanted to do other things in my life anyway because it's like any sport that you want to be good at, you have to be dedicated to it. Sure, yeah, of course. And you, you, you still work with the Royal Mail, don't you do? I think you, yes, I do now, but yeah. I've been there since 1997. Right. So I was starting a new job. And, yeah, they've been fantastic with me as such for, for my time off if I need. But this one, I think, is going to be a bigger one. Yeah, of <laughs> but, course. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just thought I needed to do something else, explore different avenues. Mm, understandably, yeah. Yeah. So have you played the top men? And how have you done when you have, if you have? Yes, um, I actually did an exhibition with Van Gerwen when he, he won his first world championship. Right. And obviously, I knew Eric before he passed away and, we're all part of England. Phil Taylor, I knew him as well. He actually stayed at my house, believe it or not, a long oh. time ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, while he was in his big A-Day. But, yeah, I'm just name-dropping. But, yes, I do know most of them, to be honest with you, because I'm that old, you see. <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, you mentioned, um, what's his name there, uh, Durrant. Glenn uh, Durrant, Glenn, yeah. Glenn Durrant. And there was a yes, story yes. in the paper this morning that Van Gogh in basically was commentating and had a go at him. So they're setting up a quite a nice grudge thing for when the, they'll probably will meet in the World Championships now <laughs> they've done that. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, to be honest with you, the PDC is a bit like that. You've got to have a love-hate relationship with someone. It doesn't matter who it is, does it? It does <laughs> sound though you're all a... to the pair of them. <laughs> it does sound though you are all a bit of a sisterhood, you and uh, Makira Suzuki and Lisa Ashton and Fallon Sherrick. You all, you all seem to get on very well. Is that is there a bit of a sisterhood then amongst all the, the women players at the top end of darts? Oh, good God, no. Don't believe it. I'm buying buying all the publicity. (laughs) You're all at each other's throats, really, are you? Uh, Well, I'm not going to go into anything. (laughs) You're too too honest. (laughs) Mostly we do get on, (laughs) mostly. Are there some good young players, women players coming through that that you think could be stars of the future that you've seen? Oh, God, yes. There is one lady called Bo Grease. She she was um, featured on the BBC as one of the young players coming through. Yeah. Bo Grease is the young lady um, from Ireland, Katie Sheldon, right. who was cracking little player. They were all there this weekend as well, you know, having a, a little go. But for me, the one that I would say to look out for is Bo Grease okay, well, and, well, well. and young Katie Sheldon because yeah. they are awesome talent. They is, really, really is. Is there somebody that you'd particularly like to play when when they do the draw? Is there is there someone you'd you'd, you'd like to have a game against uh, Ali Pally? To be honest with you, I don't really care. Hmm. Whoever comes on, I'll go up there and give it my all. Yeah. So if it's Van Gerwen, bring it on. If it's Glenn, bring it on. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it did feel like with Fallon Sherrick's win last year, uh, it was a bit of another glass ceiling broken. Was I mean, I know you've sort of beaten men in games on TV. You were a bit of a pioneer from that point of view. But... Yeah, well, I was the first lady, but yeah. hey, oh, the the I said to my old wife, it's the power of um, the media. Yeah. Because at the time when I did it. Or like, I mean, Ellen Chamberlain came across, but that was it. Yeah. Of course, it's there in history. It can't be taken away. But it wasn't anything like when Fallon won, which is the biggest stage in the world, to be honest with you. So, you know, great. It Um, was fantastic what she did. I mean, darts, in all the years you've been involved, has been a a predominantly white male-dominated sport, hasn't Mm. it? I mean, have have you encountered any issues over the years or has has it been a sort of welcoming environment from that point of view? Oh, good God, no. I'm 60 next month. Of course it hasn't been. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) as the years have gone on, um, attitude, things have changed a little bit, of course. Mm. But in those early years, you just take it all on the chin or you face them out, end up. But that was me anyway. Yeah, so yeah. I was reading Somebody some quite unpleasant stuff in the Czech Republic. And yeah, yeah, I, I said my overall heard that, but so um, he was mad. But if yeah. I had heard it, don't you worry, I would have been facing them all. Yeah, you would, I know, I can tell. <laughs> but, Brilliant. You, you clearly love the game, Digger, and that's, that's obviously why, you know, you've, you've kind of kept going all these years. And I said, you, you were off the back of a 14-hour shift, I read, when you had that winning game that got you to the world championship so you you're still having to put the hours in at work and and and, and train oh, yes. and everything so you must love it oh god yes i love it because um what i did i had asked royal mail because they did some refurbishing things at work if i could have a dartboard put up in one of the little rooms and they had a little games room mm. and they said yes because obviously they knew i played for england and so forth and uh when I have my lunch break, I just go in and have an half an hour throw. Brilliant. Wow. So, so yeah. And funny enough, today I'm bringing in a new dartboard to put up. Oh, in the build-up <laughs> to the world. Have you have you got a sort of more a Royal Mail-related uh, nickname? I just want because they say it'd have to be, she always delivers. It'd be one of them, wouldn't yeah, it? This is really? the heart of darts. Oh, the heart no, of darts. No, no, true, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Because they would think I could deliver a lot of things. And that would be false pretend. <laughs> well, Dita, it's lovely to talk to you. We uh, Fantastic story. And we look forward to seeing you in Brilliant. action. I'm sure that everybody will be watching and, and cheering you on at, uh, at Ali Pali. So all the best. Congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Pleasure. There we are. Dita Hedman there. What an amazing what lady. Fantastic. What, what a story that is, though. That she's, uh, mm. say she'd won a lot at BDO level over the years, but there she is at Ali Pali. That's fantastic. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Andy, you've got something in common mm. with Timo Werner. Are you aware of this? Well, I missed he... from three yards. <laughs> Very harsh. Yeah. No, it's not that. You probably would have yeah. missed from three yards. But well, no, he, he's he's quite superstitious. He admitted, really? certainly at, at Leipzig, 
he got over superstitious and like a lot of players have said in the past yeah. it becomes a bit debilitating yeah. he said if I'd eaten on a Wednesday at a particular restaurant and was uh, then happy with my performance on the Saturday I felt a compulsion to go back to the same restaurant the mm. following Wednesday which is what you've always done uh, eaten the same thing pre-match in the same place for many years well the, the one season that really did mm. me was the Fusilia meatball season well, yeah it really was, it was <clears> you <throat> used to weigh quite heavy you'd go there you'd need a red you were need a great Ryan Rennie, would you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you no, it was a lovely meal, but, you know, not the same meal every game. And you had to keep eating it because you were winning. Yeah. yeah, so eventually they did lose, I think. Goodness, I can have veal scallop. <laughs> you know, not goes. for you, the old burger from a van, of course. Well, no, not really. No. You know, that's part of the pleasure of supporting a team like Chelsea. The restaurants you got some nice places to yeah, eat. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you feel for them, really, because they must affect their takings. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Uh, well, did you talking of Liverpool though? Did you see? I mean, some of the journalists do ask the most moronic question. I don't know how these managers don't get so sick of these people. Why they don't just say, "I want you to shut up." That's what oh, I okay. do. Okay, fair enough. No, no, because this bloke said to this guy asked Klopp yesterday if Liverpool had a chance against Ajax without his cropped pair of defenders. Yeah, or not defenders, defender and midfielder. Sarcastically, the German said no. He continued, oh, my God, we still try. Are you a journalist? We will still give it a try. Mm. You, you know, no, um, look... I mean, they said, no, it's a stupid question. What's he going to say? Yeah, you're right. I don't even know why we're even turning up. Well, look, he was in a foul mood. So the only thing you might argue is it was maybe a bit ill-judged because he wasn't in the great... Mm. If you listen to the whole interview... He was, he was, you know, he was not happy. Well, he's not clearly, happy. I no, try, don't blame him. So uh, it probably, he, probably wasn't the moment he, of asking amazing, that though. question. Danny Murphy put a thing on it. I followed Danny on Instagram, and he put a thing about how upset he was about not the Van Dyke injury or Pickford. He wasn't having to go at either of them or saying anything about. He was just upset like we were about the fact that the FA. And we'll talk to Martin Lipton about this later. You know, their guidelines of what's clearly seen and dealt with, and what's. Uh, partially seen all this rubbish that they come out with to protect the referee when we all saw what happened we yeah. all they had an opportunity to right a wrong I don't blame any of the people involved I don't blame Pickford or, I don't agree with any of this death threats and all that rubbish but I agree with him but then you should have seen underneath this post that he put honestly so much what about her? what about this what about when you did that it's not really the point is it but that is the football fans kind of classic thing that they resort to when, they, when they're told something that they don't like and he, you know I think it's wrong he was right Danny Murphy and the FA were wrong and they need yeah. to address this there's no question about it um, Sean Custis in his piece about Manchester United today was talking about uh, to Anzabi and what a good game he had last mm. night and I, this had passed me by he said in a special challenge in LA pre-season a couple of years ago Twanzabi established the world record for kids game hungry hippos at 17.37 seconds and I thought, wow, how did I not remember that? I mean, I'm sure Manchester United fans mm. uh, remember it well, but that had passed me by. So I thought, is he still the record holder? And was it recognised by the Guinness Book of Records? So I went to their website, and sure <laughs> Short enough, <of> time. the <laughs> fastest... Yeah, <laughs> no, I put the work in, yeah, mate. Yeah, I put the work in. Yeah, see. The fastest time to clear a game of hungry hippos uh, in 17.37 seconds was achieved by Axel Twanzebe, UK, at the Montage Hotel, Los Angeles, California, 17th of July, 2018. It was done during Manchester United's yeah, pre-season tour of America. And there he is. He's... He cleared the table. He is a world record holder. What about that and uh, Marcus Rashford's MBE? Yeah. They're quite decorated, the old United they side are. these days. That's they? another one. You know, people came to and stick to football. That's another thing that well, drives when, when he does, he's rather good at that. If you bonkers, look at that yeah, winning goal last terrific, night. isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um, Harry and Meghan, they're talking of California. They've been warned that a wild bear has been spotted prowling near their £11 million California mansion. I'm sure it's got its own series on Netflix. I'm sure they'll arrange it. It's fantastic. Sure, they'll be they'll probably invite it in. It'll be quite understanding if it doesn't tear the door. Off, webinar. I don't know who watches those things. Who wants to go, go online How with Harry? webinar? <laughs> and watch the Duke of Sussex telling you about the environment. You just think, oh, leave it out, mate. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Players move into uh, a new era, into a new club, and obviously they need somewhere uh, for them and often their families 
to live. Uh, obviously, the clubs have player liaison, but they can't do everything. So often, I'm sure, they turn to sort of outside agencies, outside companies uh, to do that for them. Uh, at Wolves, that's Millennium Properties. They've been looking after the Wolves players for for well over 20 years now. And that's before the Millennium, funnily enough. Yeah, that's right. Strangely enough, he went early. Uh, future-proofed his business. Here's uh, Andy Pierce. He's joined us in the studio. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, Andy. Good so how did that Wolves link come about? Was it just simply doing a good job for one player and then the club trusting you and then giving you more work? Um, it was actually through Rachel Hayo Flint, oh, right. who was oh, the yeah, director yeah. of the, uh, the club at the time and sort of knew her and... She sort of looked after the players, mm. and as I developed my business, she was very. Mm, she was a great woman. She, she was, yeah, mm. fantastic woman. Yeah, so she was really helpful and created links with a lot of the clubs around the Midlands, really. So she's, uh, she was very important yeah. in establishing it all. So uh, because getting them settled quickly is mm. important, isn't it? Certainly, if if a player's going into training and 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 his wife and his kids aren't happy and they're not settled, that's going to affect the way he plays so it's important that they, they do you find them somewhere that they're all happy with I mean did, do they give you do the club give you a kind of list of what the player's looking for etc etc well it tends to happen very quickly now with the transfer window as yeah. it is so players arrive obviously need to be settled very quickly they don't want to live in a hotel with families friends whatever so you've got to find a home for them Give them guidance, friendship. I mean, you've got to be near a Portuguese restaurant. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You've got to be near Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you get a lot of players because of the move out and move in. Players rent off one another, so you get landlords of one club and the tenant from another, which makes it quite interesting with the rivalries. Yeah, you can yeah. imagine with right. all the Midlands clubs with Blues and Villa and Wolves and West Brom. So, yeah. always adds a little bit of edge when you see uh, a tenant renting off a landlord and they're, uh, you know, from different <laughs> clubs. So, but you say you've been doing it for twenty years. But Wolves' fortunes have changed a lot over the 20 years. Of course, they're in a wonderful position now and playing brilliantly, but and attracting a different mm. type of player and paying the players probably a lot more than they were a few years back. So that must have changed the way you look at properties and the sort of properties that you offer them. Yes, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of the players initially used to live in sort of smaller properties as it were around by the club. Yeah. I mean, we had four or five host from talk sport renting and very different properties back then then when Wolves got promoted they went to certain Coldfield and Birmingham where of course there's Aston Villa and, and West Brom players renting there but now there's been a change that players particularly the overseas clients want to live by the training ground mm. and certainly things have changed a lot with clubs over the years I mean there's a lot more security now with players mm. they've got the player liaison and look after the clubs um, so it's very different I mean I can remember when he started we were dealing with Ron Flowers World Cup winner oh yeah oh, Ron, and he was on his ladder painting a ceiling you know these days you get an international striker <laughs> ringing up about the size of the spider in his bath and things so players are a lot more demanding that ceiling. so you, do you get that do they kind of lean on you a bit when they first get here from once you've found them a property do they often just phone up and say this has gone wrong that's gone wrong is that all part of the service yes yeah yeah and you develop friendships as well I mean I've been quite lucky to be best man to one of the guys and wow. you, you know you help them find dogs and pets and their children become friends so you're in a new country it's not just yeah. footballers, but every client I've dealt with, you know, if someone's new arriving here, I think if you build a relationship with them, you help them settle in and create some really good friendships. So, uh, Have you learned a bit of Portuguese? Almost certainly you have. Um, <laughs> super box a word I can oh, uh, recite, yeah, particularly on holiday. Yeah, but, uh, one, yeah. <laughs> Do they but ever no. knock you back? Do they ever say, I'm not paying that, that's a lot of money there. <laughs> I think the club normally cover that, don't they? <laughs> well, I, I think that's the way um, it tends to work. Well, a lot of the players, when they move on, become landlords, so you deal with them continually, which is mm. why you build the long-term business. And Yeah. Yeah, of course, players and their agents do look after their finances in the future, so uh, you do get some are, negotiation on matters. Are players <laughs> seen as good tenants? Because obviously you're looking for properties that are right for the players, but the people that are renting... Um, Depends they, they're married, isn't yeah, it, I'd I, I, I mean, yeah, are they, are they generally seen as a good, safe tenant? Because they can move on quite quickly, so they, they can... A sort of tenancy can end to an extent, can't it, because they're off to another club? Yeah, I mean, I think particularly now times have changed, you know, decades ago... Perhaps not so much, but now I think football it tends to be people have their dietitians, their cleaners, their lifestyles completely different. Yeah, so yeah. they make very good tenants. And as I said earlier, a lot of players move out and new ones move in in the window. So you do tend to get that continuity. Um, I mean, the the biggest benefit I've 
seen from it all has just been the success story of players over the years you know from sort of Robbie Keane at 17 arriving seeing how he's gone on yeah um recently Diego Jota Matt Doherty I mean I can remember one guy came over from from Ireland he had no car no TV I gave him a TV and now he's gone on to get 50 caps for his country you know it's great to see how (laughs) these people progress and and that's what builds relationships and as I say it's been a pleasure to deal with over the years people like that really yeah Fantastic. It'd be all right for tickets for the games, I presume, when you know when when fans are allowed in. When we're so. allowed again, hopefully, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. You even looked after our own Darren Bent, I understand, here at Talksport. Was he a good tenant? Um, as I say, there were five, I think, five or six staff from here, and really? some of them were good and some of them weren't. But I, I think it's probably best not to elaborate <laughs> oh, on oh, that. Oh, yeah. tell us, tell no, they were all. Tell good. us in the break. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and I see that you uh, were involved with Jodie Craddock's wife in showing them a place. Has he got like an art studio? Does he have to have a separate bit? Because he's quite into that, isn't he? Yeah, we used to rent out in the country and he, he had a, a, an art studio in his mm. house and did some beautiful landscape, you know. Now he's moved on and I think he's doing very well as a, an artist, uh, mm. fantastically well. Um, but uh, yeah, he was a lovely guy. And I must admit, a lot of the players we have met over the years, I did a video uh, last year and it, my dad's suffering from Alzheimer's, so I did a sort of this is your life, 80th right. birthday. Mm. And there were sort of decades worth of players from Australia, America, Portugal, all over the world who contributed. That's nice. And I think it shows how the football community, you mm. know, how these people do appreciate what you do. Yeah. And even when they've moved on, keep relationships going. So. Uh, I think at times footballers can get a lot of bad press, but uh, yeah. I don't think people realise how their life is so transient for them and their families, and uh, it's not as always as rosy as it looks from the outside, you know? Yeah. I mean, are there equivalents of you at other clubs? Do, do, are there kind of equivalents of your business, you think, at all football clubs these days? Or do some of them do it in-house? How does it turn um, Well, all the clubs tend to have player liaison or, or companies yeah. that they use. Um, I think in sort of the Midlands, where I'm based, you've got, Obviously, Birmingham City, West Brom, Aston Villa and Wolves. Mm. And a lot of them, therefore, go for the same properties. So there's probably more um, crossover there. Whereas in London, of course, people live in such diverse areas from the clubs, there's probably not one agent who deals with them all. So, um, so yeah, it's quite fortunate in the Midlands that it's a small sort of radius. So we've been able to build links with all the clubs. And you have to kind of give them an insight, especially the boys that are coming Mm. from overseas that Mm. don't know the area. Uh, you have to give them a bit of an insight into the area to give them the best areas to live in and all the kind of things they're going to need for the the good schools if they've got young kids, etc., etc. Do any of the boys like living in the city centre? Are there those that like to be in the city? Um, in the bigger cities, yeah. sort of Birmingham, a few do, but I think they're more the younger ones, you know. Yeah. Um, as they have families, they tend to move, move out, out in the suburbs a little schools, bit. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the, and particularly at the moment, I think generally people are moving out of city centre living, aren't they? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not not such a big thing anymore. I think uh, more privacy and, and, and security and gated properties is more the way yeah. people I, want I to go. I once stayed in a hotel in Wolverhampton that overlooked the prison. Fascinating. Did it really? Yeah. We filmed it. We filmed with Willie Carr. That's where I met Rachel Hayhoe Flinch. Oh, really? Willie Carr's yeah. um, Phoenix from the Flames. Yeah, where he did that famous flick Could you see to, in the uh, prison? Ernie Hunt. Sorry? Could you see into the prison from there? Well, you, I went for a run, sort of round it, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Marvellous. Having cut over the wall while you were there, scenic. did you? No, no, nobody did. It's <laughs> very, very, very scenic. <laughs> anyway, cool. well, look, it's, it's a great story. Lovely lovely to talk to you, and it's fantastic. So, and, and that the relationship continues, yeah? You're still working for the club and... and yes, still um, moving people around, and just finishing off the end of this transfer window, so... Uh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a busy time for you, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's been... Uh, it always did, is. Who did they uh, bring in Wolves? New, I can't remember. Who came in this window? Tomato came in, didn't he? Tomato, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a um, couple Keith came from, in. Pedenza uh, came in quite recently, didn't he? Yeah. Liverpool, yes. Tomato, um, I think he's um, I think he's a flat, two-bedroom flat. Oh, no, I think he's <laughs> he's got a big old gaff. He has uh, a <laughs> swimming pool, the lot. <laughs> Fantastic. He's going, yeah, so above a shop in Spark Hill. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think so. Um, good to talk to you. Lovely, Annie. Thanks for coming mm. in. Millennium Properties uh, for all your property needs. I take it you deal with people that aren't footballers as well. Yes, yeah, across the board, really. <laughs> a lot of relocation work. So, um, so yes, it's been, uh, as I say, 25 years established, so it's been a great business. So, yeah. Uh, thank you for inviting me in. It's been great to talk to you both. It's really interesting, really interesting part of the game that no one really ever thinks about. But uh, good to see you. Thanks very much. Thank Hawksby you. and Jacobs here on TalkSport. Some classic clips from 2007 coming up shortly. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. The TalkSport Clips of the Week. Well, uh, March 2007, Clips of the Week uh, back then because, say, we discovered some old lost clips and uh, the producer has been listening to them, sorting out some of the best ones, writing new introductions. Throwing out the ones that we can't use anymore. Yeah, different times, as they say. Um, And so we'll bring you the best of them now. We've not heard these since 2007, so we crack on and we begin with Graham Beecroft. And uh, you'd probably think one of the crucial things when you're hosting a breakfast show, as people are beginning their day, is to get the time right. Hmm. Yes, uh, six minutes past eight, rather eight minutes past six. A very good morning. <laughs> Big difference, Beaky. It's a good few trains have gone through by, by that stage. Uh, Mike Perry now with a competition question. Who signed a deal with, H- with ITV this week to present their own daytime chat show? And I gave you the clue, been on telly before, but not as a chat show host. The answer was Alan Titmarsh, super guard. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a CH there missing, it's quite important. Uh, here's Lisa O'Sullivan with the news. Scottish and Southern Energy is the latest company to slash gas and electricity bills. Other major firms are waiting to introduce their reductions. Scottish and Southern's electricity bills... <laughs> electricity balls <laughs> yeah. never seen one of those I haven't either back to Mr Parry again alongside Andy Townsend with another quiz which Big Brother contestant won damages this week after newspapers printed allegations of her sexual history incorrectly <sighs> no dear. Tell you what, Matt, like me, I'm not out of two as well at the moment. Excuse yeah. me, we don't give the answers till the end. No, I know, but I, do, I didn't. But he's already said he's got no idea, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's Nadia. The, he's not the only one, yeah. let's be honest. Who's on first? <laughs> no, he said Nadia. Yeah, Nadia. Yeah, are you with it? Nadia. Yes, I am, Nadia. Oh, yes, yeah. that's Who's on first? <laughs> exactly. So, um, this is James Wales <laughs> taking a call from what seems to be an Igor Monachev, our old Russian uh, correspondent, uh, tribute act. Liam Birmingham, hi, you're on the air. Hi, James, good night. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Andy Townsend again now, taking the first call of his show just after 10am. First, let's go to Exeter to speak to Ken. Ken, good morning. Hi, guys. Uh, First of all, I want to say I'm I'm honoured to follow up uh, Alan Ball because I'm an Everton fan. I think it was Alan Brazil. He was on on after. uh, Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, What's next? It's me, isn't it? Um, Returning to Mike Parry who was uh, on location in Tel Aviv ahead of an Israel versus England game. Talking, oh dear, talking <laughs> about the local cuisine. Strap yourselves in. Exactly. And in fact, uh, Matt Smith, who's become our food taster, uh, mm. gave it the thumbs up in the Chinese last night and said, yeah, true Chinese food, just like you get back in England. <laughs> in Tel Aviv. Fantastic, isn't it? It's brilliant, isn't it? This is the news now and something's going a bit wrong. It also affected Pakistan, South Africa and Canada. 
That's the latest from the Sky News Centre. I'm Lee Stoss. <laughs> I'm Lee Stort. I'm Lee Stort. That was yeah. a, very much a catchphrase back it in was. the day. But uh, <laughs> something went wrong there, obviously. And just to prove that some things haven't changed in the intervening 13 years, this was a clip from last month. The allegations have been made by Olivia Troy, a former aide to Vice President Mike Pence. Talk sport weather with Quick Fit. Save time and money when you book an ammo. Oh, we love a Dalek. We do, yeah. Yeah. Excellent, no question. This is Alan Brazil and Graham Beecroft. We get loads of emails to get through here. Yes, there are, yeah. Uh, Morning, Big Al. Great show. Great Great shoe. shoe. It's a great shoe. Just the one. (laughs) And finally, it's Messrs. Parry and Townsend. Player he was, by the way. Great player, Kevin. He was quick, wasn't he? Oh, quick. Quick across the ground. Fastest thing across a football pitch I've seen since, uh, good knows what, since um, since that dog ran on the pitch at um, wherever it was. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brentford, I think it was, wasn't it? Great, great, the great detail. The great Brody. detailed reminiscences yeah. of Mike Parry. I, I don't know how you say great shoe instead of great shoe. It's easy done. We've done worse, <laughs> oh, let's be honest. So. Uh, we'll have some uh, new clips for you all being well on uh, Friday. So there we are. But that was the old classic clips of the midweek from 2007. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Livalino, and it's Pelé, he's got it! Pelé has scored! And that is Brazil's 100th goal in the World Cup. Pelé is running, it's Pelé, Pelé now! Yes, there it is! That is the touch of a master! I start to say, oh my God, I cannot miss. It's a very important moment too. Because of the number of courses, no one player scored, and because of the moment. I suffer to score this goal, the penalty kick. Yes, uh, good to hear Hugh Johns. Yeah, great to hear Hugh Johns. I'm sure it is for our very homesick Tim Vickery as well. Hear a bit of Hugh Johns, but they are celebrating uh, Pele's 80th birthday this week. I think it's Friday, the actual day, but all sorts of celebrations going on. Good afternoon, Tim. Afternoon, yeah, it was great to hear Hugh Johns, and it was also great, uh, Paul, to hear your pronunciation of Man United's new Dutch signing. Very impressive. You are Enfield's answer to Steve McLaren. <laughs> I am. I've been putting the work in, you see. I'm, well, I'm, I'm an outlier because I've learned the proper pronunciation, and my lord, I'm sticking to it, whatever anybody says. It's like you with Ronaldinho Gaucho, but you are living there. That's different. So, anyway, Pele. Um, uh, it's a massive mural I see in the Santos area. It's fantastic. People can go and check that out online. The artists have done a brilliant job so everybody's going Pele crazy are they at the moment yeah and why not you yeah. know why not let's celebrate it especially as you know in Brazil the majority of the population now never saw him play so uh, you know it's a great opportunity and, and Brazil is, is is not a country that's particularly well known for for knowledge of its own history so it, you know it's, it's a great educational tool for people to to even hear to, to have a look at him and see how great he was and just to give you an idea when he played his first game for Brazil in 57, they lost to Argentina. And at that point, Brazil are third in South America. There's no doubt about it. They're behind Argentina and Uruguay. By the time he chucks it up for Brazil in the early 70s, they've won three World Cups out of four. And they are undoubtedly the world leaders. That's in the course of his career. You know, from third in South America to world leaders. So everything that they've done since is standing on the shoulders of the giant that is Pelé. Yeah. The biggest sadness for me was 66 when he, he was kicked out of the tournament. You see, when you see the tournament reviewed now, you, some of the tackles on him were appalling, weren't they? Yeah, and that was Portugal, who weren't that kind of side. So why did they do it? Let me tell you. Get yourself a cup of tea, put the kettle on, um, <laughs> because the great, as he would say, the greatest performance in his career was against Benfica in the old World Club Cup, you know, the champions of Europe and South America. And when this started, it was a really good competition. 
It, uh, it declined towards the end of the 60s, really because Santos of Brazil didn't want to play the, the South American Champions League anymore. There was no money in it. They had to pay for Pelé. So they'd, they'd rather play friendlies. Uh, and, and so that competition, kind of, and the, the, the Europeans in the end didn't bother. But when it started in the early 60s, it was serious and it was really good. It was the pinnacle of club football. And it was Santos against Benfica. Santos won narrowly in Brazil in the first leg. So going over to Portugal, Benfica think they're favourites. Uh, and uh, you can see these clips on YouTube. And Pelé just absolutely runs riot against the European champions. He puts Santos 5-0 up. You know, he's either scoring or making all the goals. And it's like, is it Brian Glover in, in Kess? You know, when he's playing yeah. his big... It's like watching someone from a different species. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's just charging through, charging through, charging through. And it, it's an incredible performance, which unfortunately, because that competition has, has kind of been forgotten, for many, that performance has... has has been forgotten but the Portuguese didn't forget it and they were so scared of him that come the World Cup if he moved kick him if he doesn't move kick him until he moves but we also something we don't often hear about because we <clears> see him now as this kind of avuncular sort of smiling figure world football ambassador but he used to take a lot of punishment but man he could hand it out as well he could look after himself couldn't he Pelé as a player he certainly could well, he's, he's built a little bit like a middleweight boxer mm. and his, uh, his old strike partner Tostão says that he shouldn't have been able to play the 1970 World Cup final because he took out a Uruguayan with an elbow you know he felt the Uruguayan coming in felt mm. him coming for him and he just took him out with an elbow he broke a few legs in his career and he, he could really really look after himself but you, certainly those days you had to you know because players didn't get the kind of protection that uh, that they get these days. And yet you can look at his career and say there's a lot of friendlies there, you know, because as I say, Santos gave up playing South America's Champions League and uh, in order to pay for him, they just played friendly after friendly after friendly. Mm. But friendlies in those days weren't what friendlies are today. You know, friendlies were important games. Think about England-Hungary in 53. You know, mm, that will yeah. never be forgotten and that was a friendly. And every <clears throat> friendly, the defenders are not wanting to be humiliated. So it might be a friendly, but they're going to kick him if they can. Um, but first you had to catch him to kick him. And, and, and that was because he just had unbelievable peripheral vision. He's got it all. He's, he is just like a machine mm. for, for, for playing football. I don't think that there's... there's uh, you can make claims for other players to have been the greatest ever. And, and those, as long as those debates don't get nasty, I think they're, they're, they're all right. But I don't think there's anyone who is as complete as Pele, as he himself is, is, uh, is, is very anxious to tell people. <laughs> and there, there was one time when the, the, the Brazil um, boss was asked, who's your best goalkeeper? And he said, well, it's an easy one, Pelé. You know, he's just a phenomenon. In, of course, so when, when he got his thousandth goal, we looked at it, and some of them were in a playground with a tennis ball, but we let him have yes, Yeah, we just, well, don't, don't look too close at some of the records, as in, you say. In Tim. 1970, that wonderful team, I think you may have said this, that he was kind of past his best at that point, but he was still brilliant, though, wasn't he? Well, this, this song that he's just released, yeah. it seems to me, because it, he's done it with a couple of uh, Mexican guitarists. Yeah, quite and the, famous. The clip. So, very good. Rodrigo and Gabriela, they're, they're quite well known. I'd, I'd never heard of them oh, until right. this morning. So right. uh, I even asked one of my stepdaughters, who I consider an authority on, on younger people's They're not matters, big in Brazil then, clearly. No, obviously not. Obviously, obviously not. But not. it is a very Brazilian type song and mm. it's a it's it's a song that kind of plays with afro-brazilian traditions and afro-brazilian religious rituals which is quite interesting but that the, the the whole thrust of the song it seems to me to be his response 50 years later to the fact that there were and th th this kind of got forgotten very very quickly for obvious reasons but going into that world cup one of the one of the biggest debates in brazil was whether pele should play it um, that because there was a lobby saying, including like former coaches and former national team coaches, there was a lobby saying, no, he's uh, he's uh, he's too old, he's he's slowing down the team, he shouldn't be there. So uh, his performances in 1970 were a massive shut up to to, to, to that point of view, uh, and uh, those who'd argued it. They kept very, they, they, they were lying very, very low um, as soon as it kicked off, you know, because I mean, in the first game in Czechoslovakia, it's the one where he nearly scores from, from his own half, you know, mm. which just didn't happen then. The balls were much heavier then and, 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 and so on. And he, he's just brilliant all the way through. But, you know, the World Cup, although he is so synonymous with the World Cup, the World Cup never really saw the best of him. You know, the best of him is around 62. 
uh, when he plays that game against Benfica. And you know, go, go and look it up on YouTube. It is extraordinary. Yeah. He wasn't um, bad in 58. And, I watched that World Cup recently. No, he was, he was amazing in 58 and he was yeah. amazing in 70. But he was at, he was at his absolute peak mm. in about 62, 63. And the 62 World Cup, for, for me, it's the best goal he scored in all the World Cups. There's one against Mexico. When again, in the opening game, it, it's like Brian Glover. You know, he's just charging through right foot, left foot. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, just, it's like he's up against a, a team of kids. Yeah. But in the next game, he, uh, he he does himself a mischief. And although they were desperately trying to get him fit in time for the final, they couldn't do it. So he had to watch that one from the sidelines. And that one could have been his Maradona 86. Interesting. We're going to come on to Maradona in a minute. It's another birthday, uh, landmark birthday coming up with him. But we will play out with this song, Tim. As we said, he's made it with uh, Rodrigo A. Gabriela. It's called mm. Listen to the Old Man. And you're right, it's an old lyric he wrote in 2005, which is kind of full of, sort of some, some weird and wonderful lyrics. But anyway, we'll play a little bit of the song. More from Tim Vickery. We're talking Maradona, Neymar, Lionel Messi and lots of other matters besides uh, in a few moments. Acredita no velho, pode falar, meu Zé Filho, que o velho tem força, vai ser o que me ganhar. O dinheiro é pro santo, pode pagar, meu Zé Filho, que o velho não cobra pra trabalhar. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Here we are. That's us. We're back tomorrow. Enjoy the football tonight. Although, if you're listening to this afterwards, hope you enjoy the football. Oh, you didn't watch it. Oh, fair enough. Why are you listening to TalkSport then? Um, what we got for you tomorrow? All sorts. All sorts. Uh, have a fine evening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Score a bank account boosting 5K in cash simply by identifying Trevor Sinclair's former teammate from the following clues. He played for Chelsea and West Ham. He won over 100 international caps. He scored a goal that wasn't a goal for England in South Africa. Text win and your answer to 63320. Text cost £2 plus normal sending charge. Entries close 6pm Friday, October 23rd. 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. See talksport.com slash competitions for terms and conditions. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.